Today we're looking at 16 tips to brewing better beer. These are all things that I wish I knew when I'd started out brewing. You're listening to The Backyard Brewer, a podcast for brewers and beginners. Brewing better beer. Welcome back to The Backyard Brewer, the ultimate brewing blog for passionate home brewers. Whether you're just starting out or you're a more experienced home brewer, we think there's something here for you. Now, 2020 hindsight is a wonderful thing. You can always look back and say, gee, I wish I knew this. But as a beginner brewer, wouldn't it be great if someone actually spelled these things out for you so you don't have to learn them yourself? Well, that's where this episode comes in. These are my tips for brewing better, easier, more consistently, and more often. Brewing should be fun. And these tips will keep you brewing because they'll make your brews come out better, with less effort, and you'll get all the basics right. Remember, you've got to learn to walk before you can run. So there's no point running off and buying $100 worth of ingredients to make a 20 litre batch because it's not going to turn out the way you expect it. Brewing isn't a by the numbers endeavour. It takes practice. It takes perseverance. It takes experience. And as I've said before, experience comes from making bad decisions. You only learn from your mistakes. If you get things perfect every time you you go in and do something, you're not really learning anything. Let's get into it. These first five tips could have really been put in any order because they're all pretty much as important as each other. So in no particular order, the first tip is perfect your processes on simple beers, then move on to more complex beers. All too often, people start out brewing whatever the latest craze is, whether it's a hazy IPA or a a passion fruit gosa, and they expect this thing to come out just like they tasted it from the local craft brewery. The difference is those guys have been doing it for years and you're just starting out. You need to get your basics down first. Learn how to brew the simple beers first. Brew a simple pale ale. Once you've got that, brew a simple lager. If you've got the equipment to lager your beer. Remember, you need certain conditions for lagering. After that, you can then start to move on to some more complex styles. Maybe an amber ale, maybe a strong ale, maybe a Scottish ale. Once you've got some of the more complex processes out of the way and you know a little bit more about this thing called brewing, then you can start to look at things like hazies and XPAs and double IPAs and New England IPAs. All of those styles that take a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more finesse and a little bit more research. Second tip, you don't have to start on extract beers. I know I've got a couple of episodes on YouTube and a couple of podcasts showing you how to brew extract beers. And if you're time poor, you don't have, you know, four to six hours to dedicate to a brew day, or you don't want to invest in a little more equipment, or you don't have the space to do it in your own home, then extracts are great, but you don't have to start there. You can start on all grain brewing, 
providing you follow the advice in tip one by starting out simple. I would recommend starting with a smash beer. Now, smash stands for single malt and single hop. Start out on something really simple, like a Pilsner malt and a Citra hop, and you can't go wrong. Once you've done that, maybe move on to a pale malt and brew yourself a pale ale. And you can pair any hop up with that that you like just to see what the differences are. See what the different malts bring to it. See what the different hops bring to it. All grain brewing takes a little longer. You've got a little bit more cleanup, but you also have complete artistic control over what you're doing. Now, by artistic control, what do I mean? I mean, you're the one who's making the decisions on what malts to use, on what hops to use, on what yeast to use. You're not just following a recipe. And this will help you get to know the ingredients a lot more intimately than if you started out on some wild IPA. Once you understand what the ingredients are doing, once you understand the processes, then you start to move on to those more complex styles. Can you see a thread running through here? It's pretty simple. My opinion, and it is my opinion, start simple. Get some experience, get some brews under your belt, and then start to work your way into those more complex styles. Number three, persevere. Everyone, every single brewer in the world, unless they've only done one brew, has turned out a bad batch. A lot of people give up because they get a bad batch of beer and they say, oh, this is too hard. Throw their hands in the air and walk away and they never brew again. That is, in my opinion, a huge mistake. Stick with it. Everyone's going to have a bad batch. Don't give up too early and don't get discouraged. Unless the beer is completely undrinkable, batch it up and enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that you made it. It may not be the best beer in the world, but it's your beer. Learn from your mistakes. If you do make a mistake, if you do completely stuff it, Vow to do better next time. Figure out what you did, what you might have done, and fix it. Make a second batch, a third batch, a fourth batch. Every time you make another batch, learn from it, and you'll get better. Fourth tip. Brew the styles of beer you like to drink. Your palate is going to tell you straight away how good that batch is. It's going to tell you whether you're on point. It's going to tell you if there's something a little bit funky in there, a little bit off. You know that style really well because you like to drink it. So make that your strength. Start off brewing the brews you like to drink. Again, once you get the processes dialed in, once you get a bit more experience, once you learn more about this art of brewing, and I do call it an art, then you'll start to see improvement. You can be the best judge of the beers you're making if you're making beers you like to drink. Rounding out the top five, make the same beer more than once. You don't understand a beer until you've made it four or five times. If you start off making a pale ale, 
make that same pale ale four or five times. Maybe make a few adjustments in there. Maybe use a different style of pale malt. Maybe use a different hop. Maybe use start maybe start using multiple hops and see what that brings to the party. Maybe throw a little bit of citra in for bittering and then a little bit of fuggles to add a, a kind of woody, earthy flavour to it. It's all up to you. Decide on the things that you like in beer and try to bring that into the beer. And as you do this multiple times, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, you'll start to learn what's happening in your brewing process. The other benefit of this is you're making that beer your own. It's not something that's being mass produced by Tui's or by Carlton United or by Miller or by any of those big breweries. This is your beer now. This is your strengths. This is what you like to drink. And you can take ownership of that. As an example, I've made my Mexican lager maybe a dozen times so far. Every time I do something just a little bit different, just to make it a bit better, or just to see what that does to it. And I'm just about at a point now where I'm happy with it, where I can do it time and time again. Now, the first time I did it, I used a very simple lagering process. About the third or fourth time I did it, I used step lagering with diacetyl rests. And there's something that if you're a beginner, you don't need to understand right now. Right up through to trying different hops in it to see what that did to it. It's, it really has been a process and I'm now, after 12 batches, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. And it's not a Corona. It's not a you know, Corona ripoff that some other brewery does. This is, well, I suppose it's a ripoff because I'm, I'm doing it, but it's, it, this is my version of a Mexican lager. The other beer that I'd like to make, my Anzac Ale. I've only done that about four times so far. And each time, again, I do something a little bit different, a little more golden syrup, maybe a little more coconut, a bit more biscuit malt to bring through those biscuity flavors. It really is up to me and it's up to me to get it the way that I like it. And the good thing about that is the more I like it, the more I brew it, the more I drink it. The sixth tip. Follow your brew day plan and don't have too many silver bullets while you're doing it. Make a plan beforehand, whether you're writing it down on a spreadsheet or a piece of paper, whether you're using software like Brewfather or Beersmith, make a plan. Stick to the plan. Don't drink too much while you're brewing. The more you drink, the more mistakes you'll make. The sloppier you'll get with your process, the more shortcuts you'll take. Don't get me wrong, enjoy a few beers during the brew day, but limit it to a few so that you concentrate on the brewing, not the drinking. Number seven, and I would have really liked this to have been in the top five, but there are just too many things in that top five. Get into kegs as soon as you can. Kegs are easier to clean. They're easier to fill. They're easier to control as far as quality and serving. They save time, space, and in the long run, money. It's quicker to carbonate a, it's quicker to carbonate your beer in a keg than it is in a bottle. And the quicker you can carbonate it, the quicker you can drink it, the quicker you can enjoy it. 
I'm not a very patient person, so I don't like hanging around for two weeks waiting for my beer to carbonate in a bottle. I want to be able to drink it in a couple of days. So I like to force carb my beers, and then I let them rest for a couple of days at serving pressure, and then they're ready for me. I don't have to wait two weeks for that for that sec I don't have to wait two weeks for that secondary fermentation to gas the bottle for me. Bottles, on the other hand, have to be individually cleaned, filled, and capped. It's a lot more hassle and it takes a lot longer. There's a it's a lot more hassle. It takes longer and there's more effort to bottling. Some styles I will still bottle. So, for example, at the moment, I've got a Cooper's Sparkling Ale on that I really do have to get into the fridge to cold crush now. And that one I will bottle condition. And the reason for that is that Cooper's, commercially produced in Australia, is bottle conditioned. Part of that Cooper's experience is rolling the bottle to get the yeast to mix up into it. And that's part of it. So I'm not going to break that by doing a Cooper's out of a keg so it's nice and clear. That's not what Cooper's is to me. If I do an Australian sparkling ale and I do my own version of an Australian sparkling ale, then yeah, I'll probably keg it. But if I'm doing a Cooper's, then I'm doing bottle conditioning. The other thing is bottles take up a lot more space. They have to be stored while they carbonate. And every now and again, you'll end up with a situation where you overcarbonate the bottle and you end up with a lot of bottle bombs. And the final word on this is that anything that makes beer drinkable quicker is a good thing and worth the investment. Number eight get an accurate thermometer. Preferably one that can be calibrated. Something that's got some sort of adjustment on it so that you can calibrate it against a known source and check that it is accurate. If your thermometer is off, then your beer is off. If you're under temperature or over temperature during the mash, then you're not going to get all of those starches being converted to sugars then the yeast can't convert those sugars into alcohol. So you're going to end up with a lower ABV in your beer. And because those starches are left over, you're going to end up with a sweeter beer as well. If you like sweet beers, that's fine. But I like dry, crisp beers. So I like all of those starches to be converted to sugars. And then the yeast can chew through them and create alcohol. And my saying is, the sugar's better off being consumed by the yeast than by me. The cheap metal thermometers that come in the kits are okay, but check them. Make sure that they're accurate. But check it so that you know exactly what temperature your mash is at. You'll get better efficiencies and more alcohol when your mash temperatures are spot on. Number nine, learn your brewing system. Again, make the same recipe two or three times to dial in your processes on the equipment that you're using. And that doesn't matter whether you're using a stock pot on a stove or a grandfather or a Brewzilla or a SS Brewtech or any of those single vessel systems. Or even if you're using a three vessel system, 
whatever equipment you're using, make the same recipe two to three times when you start using it to dial your processes in on it. And then you can see that it's getting better. You can see that it's becoming a better beer. It'll take you a few brew days to figure out the equipment and exactly how it works. And it's worth the time and the investment. And it doesn't matter if you bring the same thing two or three times if it's something that you like to drink. Number 10, if you're using a system that's got a pump in it, invest in a plate or counterflow chiller. This will cut down the time it takes you to chill your wort. The quicker you can chill your wort, the sooner it starts fermenting and the less chance there is of something funky getting into it. It also means that your brew day is over quicker and it adds process and a little bit of cleaning, but it reduces your time. The immersion chillers that I have used in the past just haven't cut it. They take 45, 50 minutes to cool your wort down to a pitching temperature, whereas the counterflow chiller that I use cools it down on the first pass. It's sitting at around 20 to 22 degrees the first time it goes through that immersion chiller. So I don't need to keep recirculating it. Number 11. Buy the biggest system that you can. If you buy a 35 litre brew house, you'll outgrow it pretty quickly. So if you can stretch your budget, go for at least a 65 litre system. And that'll give you about three corny kegs worth of beer or just under 60 litres. Once your reputation for brewing great beer spreads amongst your friends, they'll come over from far and wide to drink it. So you're going to need more beer. You're going to need a bigger system. Number 12, to save money, look for used equipment. Now this goes with the previous tip. If you look for used equipment, you can afford to go to a bigger system. A lot of people drop out or upgrade their equipment and they sell their old gear. You can quite often pick up a bargain buying a system larger than you think you need for less money than you think you would have to pay. So that's a win-win. Number 13, clean as you're going along. I've made this mistake I don't know how many times. I've had a long brew day. I haven't started until late, so it's late when I'm finishing. I don't feel like cleaning up now, but guess what? Cleaning the next day takes twice as long because that wart gets sticky, the tube gets funky. It's just a pain in the butt. If you've got separate vessels for your hot liquor ton, your mashing and your boiling or some combination thereof, then clean them as you go along. Once you're finished with the mash ton, clean it up. Of course, if you're only using a single vessel system, you've got to wait until the end of the boil. But at the end of the boil, clean it out straight away. Clean your toys up as you go along as well. So things like hoses, thermometers, hydrometers, measuring tubes, all of those things can be cleaned up as you finish with them. Even if it's just something as simple as having a bucket of sodium percarbonate ready for them. You just give them a quick rinse, throw them in the perk and let them sit overnight. That'll get rid of all of those organic materials. And then all you've got to do the next day 
as rinse them and you're ready to go. Number 14, spigots on fermenters are good, but be careful of the type of spigot. If it's the type of spigot where the, the knob turns the same way as you've screwed the spigot in, then quite often you can't get enough seal on that spigot. And when you go to turn it off, it's going to turn and it's just a nightmare. You end up with wart everywhere. The best types of spigots are the ones with the handles that turn out and away. You can't see what I'm doing here. I'm actually making an action. So you might have to watch the YouTube video that goes along with this where I'll show you the type of spigot that I don't like because they're hard to turn off. They get sticky on the the spigot's quite tight, like that little tap handle's quite tight. And where it screws into the fermenter doesn't have enough friction on it to hold it in place. And there is a video that I did early on uh, when I was making up the Mangrove Jacks Brewing. Um, I think in the unboxing video, I showed the the wart going everywhere during that clip right at the start where the, the intro music's playing. But I cut it out of the, the Mangrove Jacks um, brew, brew Day because it just went everywhere. It was it it really it caught me by surprise because I haven't used that fermenter in a while, uh, and or that type of fermenter in a while, and I wasn't expecting it to to do that to me. But if you can get a spigot or a valve that's got a ball lock handle on it, they they are really the best type to use. Number fifteen, storage is important. Get a beer fridge, set it at two to four degrees Celsius and your beer will keep longer and stay fresher. Cold keeps beer for longer, especially homebrew because homebrew is preservative free. Unless you set up for it, you're probably not pasteurizing it, which means that left out in the open to the elements, it's going to spoil a lot quicker. We don't want that. Put it in a beer fridge and between the beer fridge and the carbon dioxide that's produced, it's going to preserve that beer a lot longer. Final point. This really isn't a tip. It's just an opinion. Lagers are the best beers in the world. If you can produce a good lager, a lovely, crisp, clean lager, then you're doing really well. You don't have to stick to just a straight lager like a crownie or a, you know a, a a Mexican lager, there are lots of different styles of German and European lagers and they are lovely. So learn to learn to brew a lager, learn to lager your beer as well. Learn the proper process, look it up. There will be a video coming out on lagering, but probably not for a while. But if you want to start, if you want to start brewing lagers, learn how to lager properly. And that's it for this episode. If you've got a few minutes, find us on your podcast provider, Like the show, leave a comment and subscribe. Thanks for listening and I hope you've got something out of this. If you have, let us know. Cheers for now. From the sunny hills north of Bris Vegas, you've been listening to The Backyard Brewer.